The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to um, OPCC. It's good to see you guys today. Um, <clears throat> do you ever get discouraged? Yeah. Yeah, get a show of hands of those of you who get discouraged. Yeah, me too. Uh, so let's just go home today. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so, no, um, so I, you, sometimes you get discouraged and you feel like just giving up, whether it be on something, you know, that um, has some real, uh, insig- you know, maybe it has some, it's insignificant, insignificant, doesn't have a lot of meaning, maybe a project you're working on, you run into problems, or something that could be uh, much more significant, like following the Lord, and you feel like sometimes people you're not getting any movement in your own life, or people around you that you're trying to lead aren't getting any movement. And, and so you can, it, can make you, it can make you feel like giving up. And, and what I've learned over the years is to learn to press on and look for the Lord to back me up in those times. Because it's always a moment where the Lord can show up. He always does and he always has. And so when we look at the people um, of the Bible, different characters in the Bible, we see people getting uh, really discouraged. Okay, so like, listen, listen to Moses, okay? He's leading the people in uh, Numbers chapter 11. Moses, man, we think, boy, Moses, strong leader. Like, if you want to be like somebody, like, why not be like Moses? <laughs> so the people are complaining, and this is what he asked the Lord in verse 11 of chapter 11. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? He says, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I've found favor in your eyes and I do not let, um, if I've found favor in your eyes and do not let my face, my, um, let me face my own ruin. <laughs> so he's like, man, just kill me, God. Like, I'm done. Take me out. I don't want to do this anymore. And so we see this in Moses. We see it in Elijah. We see it when uh, many of the different people in the Old and New Testament that are experiencing this. They get discouraged, they get down, um, and they feel like giving up. And sometimes we will feel that same way. Uh, And Paul, in our text today, in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17, he's at a low point. Um, He's kind of come to a place where he's down. Now, you have to read the other epistles to put all this together, the letters that he's writing during these journeys to find some of these things out. But when you do the background work, you begin to understand that this is a point in, in Paul's life where he is really down. And so um, we, you think about what all he's done. Okay, so he, he, he and Barnabas part ways, and he feels like this call, this Macedonian call, and he starts this missionary journey. And in Leading up to all of the, where he's at today, he's, he heals this demon-possessed girl. Like she's running around and she's controlled by a demon. He, he's prompted to heal her. And what's that cause? A riot, okay? And the riot leaves him beaten and in prison. 
Like he was beaten, the scripture says, with rods. This was not a um, this was not a spanking. This was a beating. Okay, so he was is severely impacted his health going forward. So he's released and he's forced to leave. Okay, and when he leaves, he goes to um, the area of Thessalonica, and he has tremendous success. There's movement that starts to happen. And when the movement starts to happen, what, what follows it? Persecution. And so the persecution forces him to leave. So he goes to Berea. The Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, the scripture says. And he shares the word with them. And what happens? The spirit breaks out and people start getting movement. But the cycle repeats itself. And they tell Paul, you got to get out of here. Now, Timothy and Silas get to stay back and minister in all of that momentum. But Paul is told to leave. Paul was used to start it, then he has to leave it. And this cycle keeps happening and repeating itself. And so what's he do? He goes to uh, Athens and, and he delivers this speech, like this incredible speech to these Athenian thinkers, these philosophers. And it largely is ignored and falls on deaf ears. There's a couple of people who make a decision to follow the Lord, but by and large, nothing really happens. At least he doesn't get persecuted and beaten. He just doesn't get listened to. And so what's he do? He walks 53 miles to Corinth, okay? So he, he walks 53 miles, and he comes to this city um, that is a leading commercial and political center of Greece. Like, it is, it is a thriving place. It's on an isthmus, okay? And so all of the traffic from north and south Greece flowed right through um, the city of Corinth. And so it was a very um, influential center, or a very influential city. Now, in order to get around this isthmus, you had to sail 200 miles to get around it. But it was a very narrow strip of land. And so what they would do is the ships, the larger ships would come into port on this side. They would unload them and they would track them across four miles and they would put them on this ship and this ship would take them on the continued journey. The smaller ones, they'd actually even develop a system where they would take the smaller ones and they would drag them across this isthmus and put them over on the other side so they could continue their journey because it would save them a lot of time. And so this led to a very unsettled population. A lot of sailors during the time of that cargo being transported, this is where they hang, would hang out until the ship was ready to go again and it was loaded. And so you have a lot of people um, that are unsettled that lived here and so it fostered a very immoral culture, okay? It wasn't your uh, Johnson County type of place to raise kids. Like it, was, it was a very wicked place. As a matter of fact, to Corinthianize meant to practice sexual immorality. That's, the city was known for that kind of immorality, and so they called it Corinthianize. It, 1,500 feet above the, uh, of the city was the temple of Aphrodite. Okay? There were 1,000 priests and priestesses that were prostitutes and they would descend down on the city at night, and you, it was part of the worship of Aphrodite to engage in sexual acts with them. And so Paul arrives into this city. <laughs> he's injured from being beaten. He's tired and fatigued. He feels defeated, and he's all alone. And this is why he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. 
So this is the place that Paul is at. He, he's just down, man. And, and, and so when we look at this and we see that what happens in moments of discouragement, how do, we, how do we navigate through those times when we face them? Because we will. Well, the Lord in this passage of uh, Scripture, in the first 17 verses of chapter 18, the Lord gives us four sources of encouragement during discouraging times. So let's, let's read the passage, and then I'll give you them, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go home and and enjoy some hot chocolate and the chiefs, right? Or I can preach right through the game if y'all want me to. Listen to this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a, met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. It's a bad, like it's a bad. So the, the, the Jews were causing an uproar, and Claudius is like, I'm tired of dealing with these people. Get them out of here. So all the Jews had to leave. And so this forced um, Priscilla and Aquila to have to move. And so Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every, every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So Paul gets into the city, and he connects with these people, and, and he's working. They had the same kind of trade that they had. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila had a business, and Paul, at some point in his life, had learned to be a tent maker, probably from his father, um, because every Jewish boy um, had to learn a trade. And so it says that when you know, he's doing that, and then it says when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, they eventually make it there. Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the, when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And then Paul left the synagogue. Okay, so like he's facing the same kind of rejection by the Jewish people. He leaves the synagogue. And he goes next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. And so Paul's getting some movement. And so you can think about what he's probably starting to think. Oh, here we go again. I'm probably going to get um, some opposition. And it says, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. And so Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. So for 18 months, Paul is discipling in the city of Corinth. While Gallio was proconsul, so during that some time has elapsed, while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made an, a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. Okay, remember, said, so, well, I thought the Lord said he wasn't gonna let anybody attack you. He says, no, I'm not gonna let anybody attack and harm you. And so they make this attack on him because they see all the movement that he's getting. And so they bring him, it says, um, they brought him into court and this man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. And just, watch this, just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about your 
about words and names and your own law. Settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. which is kind of interesting. So the guy that's bringing the accusation against Paul, as Paul's about to make a defense for himself, um, the, the guy throws the court out, and then they beat Sosthenes, and he shows no concern over what's going on in this particular situation. So we look at this. What are the takeaways very quickly for us uh, that would bring us encouragement during discouraging time? Okay, here are things you need to look for. The first one that I see is this, new family. There's just new family. Paul is alone, okay? He comes into this city. It's a very immoral city. And Timothy and Silas are still back in Macedonia ministering, trying to help the people get going in what the Lord has called them to do in the places where they had had movement. And the Lord knew he couldn't bear the burden of Corinth alone. So what does he do? He knows he needs spiritual family. And so he found spiritual family in Priscilla and Aquila. And so the, 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 these are people that are people of the kingdom. Paul did not lead Priscilla and Aquila to the Lord. We know this because anybody significant in the scripture that Paul led to the Lord, he talks about being their spiritual father. Somewhere it's recorded. And nothing is said about him um, leading Priscilla and Aquila. Later, he talks about them in some of his letters about how dear they are to him. They risk their own lives, he says, for his sake. And so these were people that somehow came to faith probably back while they were in Rome and the movement was spreading and Paul connects with them and their, their lives intersect. And the, what, what I see here is that the Lord used discouraging circumstances to unite them. Priscilla and Aquila were told, like here they are living in Rome, they've got a business. It's, it's a good business, they're making tents, they're selling them probably to outfit the Roman soldiers. And all of a sudden Claudius says, man, all the Jews have to leave. So all of a sudden, just because they're Jewish of no fault of their own, they were just born Jewish, and they're told that they have to get out of the city. And they're probably really discouraged by that, that they have to take their operation and move. And so what do they do? They go to Corinth, and they're going to try to reestablish their business in this area. And so they're down, I'm sure. Paul is down because his bros are back in Macedonia. He's given an incredible speech, and he's been beaten, and he's tired, and he's now in this city that's immoral, (laughs) that is like, it looks like, man, there is no hope. Like, you know, this is the Las Vegas of, of the day there. Like, this is a bad place. It's a very wicked place. And, and sin is just, in, like, they just embellish in it. They love it. They, lo- they love to get in, engaged in it. And so here he is. He's discouraged. He has nobody to help him. And, and the Lord uses these two circumstances that Paul's moving to bring these, these people together. And so um, not only does he get this new spiritual family, it says in the text that later, Timothy and Silas, they join him. And I don't know if you noticed this, when they come, they bring some cash because he doesn't have to make tents anymore. And so it's evidently, the churches that were back, um, that were founded, and the, and the movement that started in the Macedonian areas of Thessalonica and Berea, they took up an offering, and they sent it with Timothy and Silas. And so when, they're, when Timothy and Silas get to the city of Corinth and meet Paul, they bring encouraging news, and they bring a gift. And so now Paul is able just to engage in, in full-time ministry, trying to evangelize and disciple, make disciples in the city of Corinth. And so he gets old and new family. And so here's what I take away from that. 
whenever we're facing discouraging times. If you follow the Lord somewhere, someone will be there, okay? Every time. And so I followed the Lord here, and one of the things, I, I just look back over and over in my life at times that, that I was facing things that, that were a little bit discouraging. Um, here I was going to move up here, Abby and I and the family, and in 2011, didn't know anyone, didn't know any ministers, just nobody. We didn't know anybody except for the, the few people that had contacted us and asked us to come, and we didn't know them real well. We liked them, or we wouldn't have came. <laughs> and so they did a good job, uh, and, and, and so we're, we're thankful for that, but it was, we have these people, they don't really know us real well, and we're leaving all of our family. And so what happened to me, is uh, a guy calls me, a good friend of mine who's a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he says, hey, Jimmy, are you still thinking about going to Overland Park? And I said, yeah, man, I'm, I feel like the Lord has called me there and like it's, this thing is happening. And he says, well, this is kind of crazy. Um, he says, but I, I've got three families in my church. This is in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma area. He says, I got three families in my church all in the next few months are all moving to Overland Park area. Would you like to meet with them? Yeah. <laughs> I did, and they all came and helped us. Now, um, so that it was extremely encouraging, like to, to face some overwhelming things and like go feel like you're going alone. All of a sudden, these people they they come, and so they they came and they help us get started. Two of them were on staff with us. Two of the families um, were on staff with us: April and Calvin, um, and uh, and then uh, Matt and 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 oh jeez, Kimber. And their family, God, I hope Kimber doesn't watch this. <laughs> and so, and so, like, uh, uh, so they came and, and they helped us. And, and, but here's the deal, man. A few years ago, like, um, all of a sudden, Calvin gets a job in Houston. And he's moving. And we just finished discipling Calvin, was releasing him. Um, April had, had been going through discipleship and was being released were great encouragement to the family here and and they're like they're gonna leave and then now we don't have a children's director and and so like this was this was discouraging and what does the lord do through a series of events i meet shay and molly and they they come and help and so all i say on that is that every time i face anything discouraging and i press and lean into it the lord always surrounds me with spiritual family every time somebody leaves i remember um i remember uh Jason Lynch, he, he took me to lunch at Fortune Walk. A lot of good things happen at Fortune Walk, okay? And so I led a couple of guys to the Lord over at Fortune Walk. Well, Jason takes me to lunch at Fortune Walk, and uh, he proceeds to tell me, man, we're moving to Dallas. I'm like, oh, geez, man, I'm close to this, this family, and, and all of a sudden, Jason and Stephanie are moving to Dallas. And so... Um, that, that, was, that was discouraging, okay? And so, but the, again, the Lord provided during that time. And so I say that, I'm, I'm telling that part of the story to say, when Calvin and April were leaving, I think right about that time, Jason had to come into town sometimes uh, for work, and he, he took me to Fortune Walk again. And, uh, and so, like, he says, hey, man, we're moving back. I'm like, yeah. And so, like, so the Lord is always, he's always, like, br bringing people around us. So when you're facing discouragement, okay, here, here's a, this is a very important truth, is that you want to be careful in these discouraging times. Because when you are fatigued and tired 
And even if, if, sometimes it could be your health. In this case, all of these things were true of Paul. He had health issues going on. He's discouraged about what he's looking out in front of him. He's tired and fatigued. He's alone. It is very important who you choose to spend your time with, okay? And so if you get around people that are already discouraged or will point you in ways that aren't wise, you can find yourself being in a state of depression really quick. But if you will look for spiritual family, God will provide it and he will surround you with his people and he will bring them around you to help you in these moments. And so that's what I'm encouraged by in in this passage as I see Paul, he is surrounded by spiritual family. Now, not only that, we see that he gets new kids, new spiritual kids, okay? Paul's countrymen rejected the good news. He shares the good news with them. And he says, look, man, Jesus is the Messiah. And they even start to blaspheme Christ. And so as they reject the truth he shared, what does he do? He shakes the dust off of his his sandals, which was like, man, that was offensive for a Jew to do that to anybody. They would do that to pagans, okay? They would do that to a pagan who believed in a, uh, you know, something that, obviously was offensive and blasphemous to the Jewish God um, and that, that, they, that they understood as they followed the Mosaic law. And so when they saw a pagan deity or something worshiped or, or some pagan culture, they would, when they left that town, they would shake the dust off of their feet because they didn't want any of it coming with them. And so Paul goes into the Jewish synagogue and he's talking to these people and he shares the gospel with them that Jesus is the Messiah. They reject it. And so as, he, as they reject it, he shakes the dust off of his sandals, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm being absolved of all of this. Like, I don't, I'm not responsible for your rejection of the truth. That is on you. Your blood, that blood is on your own heads. And so like when, I, when I'm preaching the gospel, one of the reasons I'm, I try to be really clear and really bold and, and really authentic is not to try to shame a person into believing what I'm trying to do is be really clear because I don't want your blood on my hands. Like, if you reject the gospel, I want it to be totally clear that you rejected it, not because I made it confusing, but because you just wanted to reject it. And so that's what Paul is doing in this case, and he leaves, and, and he moves on, and he didn't have to go far. <laughs> like, he goes next door. Right next door to the synagogue, this guy, Titius Justus, he opens his home to him and says, Paul, you can minister right from here if they won't let you over there. I like what you're saying, and that sounds like good news. It makes sense to me. And he brings him into his home, and Paul starts ministering right next to the synagogue. I'm, I'm reminded today um, of uh, uh, Ashley Rafi. She does a lot of work. The Rafis are very involved uh, with um, Crisis Pregnancy Center. Advice and aid. Advice and aid. Thank you. They're very similar. My, my brain is not working today, okay? But uh, be, be patient with me. And so anyway, they, they, they secure this spot. Advice and Aid secures a spot in Overland Park, and it's right next to Planned Parenthood, okay? And they're having an incredible movement in helping women who are struggling. So if, you're, if you are into those kinds of things, looking for a place to have an out and volunteer and serve, Advice and Aid is a great place where you can make a difference um, in, in women's lives. And so, so like this is what happened in, in Paul's experience, man, is the, the, this opportunity opened up for him to minister right here, right next door uh, to uh, the synagogue. And guess who gets saved? The synagogue ruler, Crispus. 
Okay, Christmas, what a name, like, yeah, come on, man. Christmas is a great name. He gets saved, and his whole family gets saved, and he's baptized. They become followers of Jesus, and so we see new converts coming into the kingdom, and Paul is getting new uh, spiritual kids in the kingdom, and, and new kids in the kingdom encourages me more than anything. Like, I, I don't care if I get to be a part of where, where, you know, them coming into the kingdom, I get to lead them to the Lord, or if somebody else does, I just want to see them, man, because when I, like, just think about this, just think about different people um, over, over the, the years that we've seen come to faith in the Lord. I, I'm reminded of Landon and Alicia. Um, I'm reminded of, of Rick and Brittany, and they come to give their lives to the Lord. So, so many others, Morgan gives his life to the Lord, and we, like, it's encouraging, man. It's like, man, the, the Lord is still moving. He's doing something, and we see people's lives being shifted and changed. And so new kids in the kingdom will encourage you. But here's the problem, is that um, when Paul experiences this movement, all of a sudden, here comes the opposition. And he's probably thinking to himself, here we go again, because he's getting movement, people are coming into the kingdom, and, and, and here's the third thing, that the Lord always does something like this for me when I'm discouraged, and that is a new word from him. Now, I don't need a new word and new truth, I'm just talking about a new word for me. Um, a new, what I might call a kairos maybe, where the Lord takes something and, and he's like letting the kingdom break out of me. I see something in the scripture I've not seen before and, and the Lord encourages me in that. And so this new family had brought a lot of encouragement but it brought a lot of opposition as well. And so he's probably wondering at this point in time if he should let off the gas. So I kind of back off here because, um, that, you know, like I know what has happened to me three times before. And probably a seasoned minister is going, Mel, I know how this got sidetracked for me here. I know how it got sidetracked for me there. And so probably I'm being a little bit too aggressive and too bold. That's probably what he was thinking. And the Lord gives him a vision. And in the vision, I love what he says um, in, in the vision. He says, uh, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. And so he says, I've got people in this city, bro. And he's like, no one is going to stop you. I'm here. And so he just gives him a little, a, a little nudge. Uh, Elijah has the same thing um, happen to him as he tells his servant to go and look. Is there, is there rain coming? He's like, no, no clouds. No, no, no clouds. Go again a third time. And the third time he says, oh, yeah, I see a little bitty cloud starting to form. Um, and and we, we hear of the Lord, he doesn't speak in the, in the mighty wind, he speaks in the still small voice, and he says things to us. And, and, and I think that when Paul writes um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, he's probably thinking about some of this stuff right here as he gets this word. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for me, who can be against me? And so what we see is, is he gets a new word, and that new word tells him, don't let off the gas, um, Paul. You just keep, keep pressing down, and, and things will break through. Just keep on keeping on. I, I'm here with you. And then finally, we see he gets new protection, okay? And so the enemies watched the success that he had had. The Jewish people were jealous of it. And so what do they do? They drag him into the bema. 
Okay, the bema is a, is a judgment seat outside of the proconsul's house that's in the market, okay? It's in the market area. And they put you up on the judgment seat for all the public to see, and the proconsul comes out and he makes a judgment. And anybody can drag anybody else in there into this place and make an accusation against them. And then this guy's job, um, Gallio, is to come in and listen and make a judgment about it. And so they say he's teaching what is prohibited by Rome. Now, whenever they say that he's teaching what's prohibited by the law, they're not talking talking about the Jewish law, they're trying to get um, Gallio to recognize that Christianity is dangerous for Rome. Now this is a critical point for Christianity and this, for it to kind of continue to spread. And, and because if he had ruled that, uh, in the favor of the Jews, then the, the Christianity would not have had the kind of success that it had. And so what Gallio saw here as, they, um, as they're making this, this case and they're presenting and they're saying, man, he, he's teaching in the name of Jesus, da 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 da. Gallio's like listening to them and he basically comes to this conclusion. He says, listen, man, ain't nobody got time for this. He's like, get out of here. And he just throws, he tosses it out of the court. Now this is crucial because he doesn't listen to it and he's setting a precedent for all of the other ro- rulers in Rome as these accusations are made. Now there's a precedent Said, well, Gallio was a very respected man. He was loved by people. And so uh, though he wasn't a believer, he made, some, he made a decision that was very favorable to believers and it helped the church out during that, that period of time. And so it's so encouraging that Paul is about to make a defense for himself as he does so many times, but right as he's about to open his mouth, Luke says, Gallio speaks up and just shuts the whole thing down. And the vision that the Lord had given Paul is coming to fruition as Paul sees that the Lord is intervening in this situation. And so it's so encouraging when the Lord frustrates your enemies. And when people come against you, and they will, or circumstances come against you, and they will, what you need to do is wait on the Lord. Just look. Now, Here's the deal. So Sosthenes has taken the place of Christmas. Now remember, we don't know exactly how much time has, has, has elapsed between uh, the time of this, this uh, account in the Bema seat and being accused, but Christmas gets saved in the beginning, so evidently Sosthenes is the new synagogue ruler. He takes Christmas's place. So as the synagogue ruler, Sosthenes is the guy who's going to make the case against Paul in front of Gallio. I love this. This is, this, is, this is so good. <laughs> and so he's making the case. And as he makes the case, man, he feels like he's waxing eloquent. All of a sudden, Gallio says, ain't nobody got time for this, and tosses it out. And the Jews are infuriated. So what do they do? They take Sosthenes out in the street and beat him to a pulp. And so now he has nobody. Here is a rejected individual who's done a horrible, uh, uh, um, a horrible, uh, uh, He's done a horrible job, okay? And so here he, he, he's rejected. He's alone. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at this. This is pretty cool. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Like Sosthenes who go, like the Christians go out and start ministering to Sosthenes, and Sosthenes becomes a believer in Christ. And so what do we learn from that? We learn, here's the big idea. When you seek the kingdom, you can always expect you'll get kingdom back up. Like it's always coming. Like you, you're going to go through, like you're going to get discouraged. If you follow the Lord very long, 
you're going to get discouraged, even in the midst of you trying to do the right thing, and it feels like nobody else is trying to do the right thing, and here you're trying to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you feel like some people don't even care. Sometimes that can get really discouraging for you, but you gotta press on, and you gotta keep seeking the kingdom. As Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of Christ, and all these things shall be added unto you. All of the things that concern us in life, they will be added to us if we will seek the kingdom first. And so what we can expect is that the kingdom backup is coming when we're seeking the kingdom first. So the Lord does his best work during these discouraging times. This is when he teaches us the most. This is when he stretches us the most. This is when our faith grows. If we were always encouraged, there would never be any reason for faith. Faith is believing in something you can't see. And, and if ever you need to believe in something you can't see, it's when you're discouraged. And so if you're discouraged today, be encouraged by that. And I wanna close with this, this uh, verse of scripture out of Isaiah because I think it, it's very helpful for us. In verse 29, chapter 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So today, man, if you came in and you're discouraged, look, what should you do? Well, I'd recommend like maybe go hang out with some spiritual family. Where's your spiritual family? They're right here. Anybody who came to church today is definitely family, okay? On a snowy day like today. You say, well, I don't know anybody. That's another good reason that you should get together with somebody. And so maybe for you, you say, well, I'm not discouraged. Well, maybe you need to invite somebody over because you don't know when somebody is discouraged. Well, who should I invite over? Start with somebody you don't know. And then that way we can get deeper and deeper in relationship. And so I would encourage you to spend some time with some spiritual family. Listen for a new word from the Lord. Like listen, like he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna speak to you in that still small voice. He's gonna say something to you. Maybe, maybe you came in today and you were just discouraged as you could possibly be. And maybe the, this message was specifically designed for you that the Lord is speaking to you through it. Say, man, you, it's gonna be okay, okay? You got people around you. So look to spend some time with your family. Look, look for opportunities to share the gospel. Get, get around some new converts. Get around some people that have some new life in them. Why, why should you do that? Two things. One, people who are newly come, have newly come into the kingdom, spiritual family, they're, man, they're, they're just filled with um, an unfiltered boldness and joy. Like they're just so surprised about what's happened to them. Okay, that's one reason. And so that, that, that's contagious for us. And we forget that because maybe it's been 20 years since that happened for us. But the second thing is, is if we've been following the Lord um, for several decades and they've only been following him for a little while, then there are a lot of experiences that we have and a lot of things that we've learned over the years that we can share with them. And guess what happens when we share the word with them? Mutually, we're encouraged in the Lord. And so f- spiritual family is so vitally important for us as believers. The Lord doesn't want us to be alone. And as he said to Paul, he's like, man, you're not going anywhere. I've got many people in this city. I think that th- that's what the Lord says to us as a, as a church, um, a local church, OPCC. Like, I've got plans for you because I've got many people in this city. Now, when he says that, he's not saying I've got many people who are already part of the kingdom. What he's saying is there are possessions 
that are mine that you are going to take a hold of in this city, and they're going to become part of the kingdom. And I think that's God's heart for this city and, and for our ministry is there are many people that belong to the Lord that we need to discover. And we go through that, 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 that theological dilemma of the sovereignty of God that he's chosen people and the responsibility of man to respond to his choice of them and the proclamation of the gospel. As we're looking for people of peace to share the good news with so that the Lord can possess his people and the spiritual family can increase and grow into all of the, the, that the Lord has for it to be here in this particular city through this particular ministry called OPCC. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're discouraged, like look for the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www dot overlandpark dot cc